Good morning. I'd like for you to focus in on our text this morning, which will be found in Philippians 1.21. Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art. I thank Thee, Lord, for this precious day, the day, Lord, that Thou hast set set apart for Thy people to celebrate life, celebrate life because of Your life, because of Your death, because of Your resurrection. O Lord, how glorious Thy truth is, how glorious Thy gospel is, how faithful Thou art. O Lord, I pray this hour that Thou would make us faithful, that You would call us to Thy feet, that, Lord, we would be enabled to put all things out of our minds as You are as you come with power, Lord, come with power that we would only see Thee, that You would lift Thyself up in our souls and our hearts and our minds, that the afflictions that we have, the things in our lives that cause us angst, that Thou would be pleased to take them from us at this hour, that You would focus us in, Lord, upon Thee. Lord, preach this message to our soul today. If truly we are thy people, O Lord, show us that that our life to live it is thy son and to die is such sweet gain. O Lord, reveal this text to us this day as it pleases you. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This text today tells us what resurrection life truly is. Luke said in 24.6, He is not here, he is risen. He is alive. We come together today to celebrate that. I am so thankful that the Lord in His providence has set apart a day. It is a day that is very precious to me. It's the most precious day of the year to me. Because I know without the Lord dying for my sins and without the Lord coming up out of the grave triumphantly, I would have no life. I would have no reason of hope. I would have no hope in anything. And that's what I want to talk to you today about Paul's text here, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is a text that only there's only like a handful of them in the entire Word of God that you could take out of where Paul was, whatever he was saying, and it could stand on its own. Very few are like that. Very few are so much involved in what he's trying to say or what the Holy Spirit is getting the point across that the the text itself is immersed in that what's going on. For Paul this morning, as he was writing this letter and and telling his brethren at Philippi all that the Lord had brought him through and all that the Lord was... was how the Lord was precious to him, he makes this declaration... He makes this declaration, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Today, I want to look at that text. I want to look at it, of course, in two parts. I want to speak about what it means to live as Christ is our life. Because that's what that text says. And it's not, it's not saying that it's, it's a saying. It's not an uh, abstract principle. It's not a doctrine. It's a person. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's our examination today, is is Christ in me? 
Does Christ give me life today? As I look and I say, this is the day that is set apart to partake and to think upon the resurrection of my Lord. As I woke this morning, as the Lord woke me up from sleep, the very first words to, on my soul was, He's not here, He is risen. The Lord shined that in my soul. And that, to me, is life. It is the meaning of life, but He is the life. As I said, it's not just a, it's pers- Christ is personified in the believer's life. He has ownership of my life. He is the power of my life. He is the love of my life. If I have any love in me that's godly love, it is because He is in me. It is His love. If I have any faith to believe in this day, and to believe in what the Lord Jesus has done, to believe what the Lord has procured for me, what it means to die is gain. What does that mean? That is a paradox to us today. None of us are signing up to die. None of us are saying, oh, it's just like Paul says in this text here, I'm in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. That's resurrection life. That is to die as gain. He knows it's far better. But I want to talk today about what Jesus' resurrection has done and accomplished for you and I. And the first thing we look at this morning is what he said, for me to live as Christ. And of course, I have abundance of Scripture today, and I tried not to, when I get later in the message, we'll be turning to quite a few, but I wrote a lot of them down. So if you want to follow me that way, or you want to follow in the Word of God, truly that's up to you. The first text I want to share with you today, of course, is John 14, 6. Jesus' answer to Thomas. Thomas said to Christ, how, Lord, will we know the way? And Jesus didn't just tell him the way. He told him who the way was, who the truth was, and who the life is. Jesus said unto Thomas, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life of every believer. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. That's our examination today as Paul says these words, for to me to live is Christ. Is that the same for you? And that means that Christ is in your mind. You have the mind of Christ. Christ is your life. Christ is your heart. All your decisions is Christ-based. As the Holy Spirit reveals to you, He's life. Our desire is toward Christ. Not that we can perform these things in ourselves. Paul said it. I look in myself. There's no good thing that dwells here in my flesh. And that is true. He cried out, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? And then Christ answered his soul and he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, my Lord, is my deliverer. He is my life. He is the reason for life. No man, the rest of that verse, no man cometh unto the Father for life, for the way, for the truth, for anything. No man can come unto the Father but by me. I am life. That's what Jesus told Thomas. I am life. 
I am the way. I am truth. And then, of course, you knew I would get this verse in. Galatians 2.20 says what? I am crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. When Christ died on the cross, he took me with him. When we get to the death portion of this, we're going to find out what we, are di- what we have died to. What has the resurrection accomplished and promised to us? I am crucified with Christ. That is how dying is gain. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, Paul says. I live today. I'm looking at myself. I have life in me. And my life is Christ, which he tells us in our text. How is that, Paul? And then he says, yet not I. I would never want you to think that the life that I live, the the preaching of the gospel that I do, the, the, the shipwreck that I was in, the the steadfastness, the faithfulness of preaching the gospel was anything found in me. It's not my life. It's His. Yet not I. I am not living. This is not for my merit. Jesus did not do His part and then I did my part. He is life. He consumes me. It's the love of Christ that constrains me. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He attributes all glory to the one who is glorious. And if we have any glory, what does Paul tell us? Let us glory in the Lord. That's our glory. What the Christ, the Son of the living God, has done. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in this body, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't live it by my faith. I don't live it by what I believed and accepted. That's only going to get me to the next trial. It's going to get me to the next affliction. It's going to get me to the next hardship. And then I'm going to be crying out, where are you, Lord? That's our faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave his life that I might have life. That I do have life. I have life in him. Because he lives, I live. And there's no other way. That's the power of the resurrection. That's what Paul said, I want to know more of. I want to know more of the power of his resurrection. To know that Christ is my life. He has given me life. For to me to live is Christ. This life is only by him and through him. John tells us this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. John writes, and this is the record. That God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. John wanted us to know by the power of the Holy Ghost that life that we have is in Christ Jesus alone. This eternal life that we have is in Christ Jesus. It's in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. There is nothing in between, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. 
There is no in-between. There is no gray area. There is no... If Christ possesses you and He is your life and He is in you, you have life by Him. That is what that text says. We live by Him and through Him. We let... We let... We have life in Him because He is in us. We have life in Him because He is in us. I hope the Lord makes that real to you today. Real in this hour. This is, this is what I celebrate today. And we have everlasting life. John wrote in 3.36, he said, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. It begun in Christ it continues in Christ, and it ends in Christ. Just like Hebrews tells us, the author and finisher of our faith. So Christ is our everlasting life. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. What do we see again? We see life is in Christ, and there's no life but in Christ. As we've already hinted, this life is eternal too. John wrote in John 17, 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. That's the life that we have. That's the life that we celebrate today. And it's ongoing life. As he sustains our life here and the life to come, it is ongoing life. That's what everlasting life is. That's what eternal life is. He's the power of that life. When we walk out of here today, it's not that we just have life while we're talking about life. We have life sustained because of him. Believest thou this? That reminds me of John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said unto Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead. We're about to head to that section. Though he were dead. Were you once dead in sins and trespasses? Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus said. Believest thou this? Do you believe that this life that Jesus has in our soul is ongoing? And as we take our last breath in this life, death in that way becomes gain? That the portal of life, eternal life is opened up to us? That we go and that we are with the Lord at that moment? Today, as he told that thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's, where, that's our eternal resting place for our soul. But that's not all. And that's what Paul is celebrating in this verse. To me, to live is Christ. And all of these texts that I read to you today is speaking of what resurrection life is and how. How we know that we possess it. And I'm not telling you when you walk out of this door that you're always going to feel that, that resurrection life because of this dead carcass that we have around, pulling around with us, the old nature that never gets better. 
the body of sin that Paul cried out, Oh Lord, who can deliver me from this? I hope that the Lord comes to your soul and gives you life and He causes you to cry out to the Lord, Who can deliver me, Lord, from this body? This body of sin. It's a body of death to me. Has the Lord revealed that to you, that the very members that you have are sin-riddled? We need a Savior. We need to know that Savior, not when we're sitting just in here, but when we go get in our cars, when we go from this place, when we go to the workplace, when we go to the marketplace, wherever we go in this life, that He is life. He is ongoing life for us. I love that last, that last point. He said to Martha, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Shall never die. She would watch Lazarus be risen from the dead. She'd watch all of her loved ones around her die at one time. She will die herself. So that death must not mean that. Because we know that it, all men are appointed to die. Which we'll talk about that in a minute. But our life is in Christ Jesus. Our life is Christ Jesus. Who is resurrected. He defeated death. Death has no victory. The grave has no victory because of what he's done. So now we turn to our second portion. To die is gain. As I said, <laughs> it is a paradox. Hebrews tells us that all our life we're subject to the fear of death. And it's true. When we get sick, when things don't go our way, when we get older, when we feel things in our body, when we hear the doctor's words, we have fear of death. All our life we're subject to that. And Paul says something in this paradox. He says, to die is gain. <laughs> and I want you to understand this morning that the reason he could say that is because of the resurrection. That's the only reason. To die is gain. My Lord died. You and I will fall asleep. We'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus died that we will have eternal life. Jesus died. And he rose again for that very reason. To die is gain. And dying, the first, first way I want to look at dying today is dying to self. Dying to self in this life is gain. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 9 and 10, he said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? Why do we have that sentence of death that the Lord pronounces upon part of us? Why? It must die. John said it. He said, John the Baptist, he said, I must decrease and Christ must increase. How can we decrease? Our pride is just as prideful each day of our lives. We must decrease, though. How does the Lord do that? Well, Paul tells us a little bit here. We have the sentence of death in ourselves. We must die to ourselves. And he tells us why. That we should not trust in ourselves. That's why Christ mortifies that pride. That's why he mortifies that self-assurance. That's why he mortifies that self-righteousness. 
those things must die. And in that relation, we must die that we gain. We gain what? Christ Jesus. You will never have Christ in the mind if you occupy your mind. If you are the idol of your mind and all of your thoughts are inward toward you, Christ will not be reigning in your mind. He will share his throne with no one. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. There's our resurrection. Spiritual, physical. Both of them guaranteed by Christ's resurrection. We owe everything to Him who delivered us from so great a death. Did He not? He delivered us. If He, if he ever delivers you from the selfisms, you will know that is a great death. He delivered us. But listen, it isn't one time. This is how faithful He is who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver. He continues to deliver. In whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. He delivered us in the past. And as I've already alluded to that. Is there a time that you can look back? I was dead in sins and trespasses. I didn't serve. I didn't have any thought of my Lord and Savior. Certainly not the way I see Him today. I had religious thoughts maybe. Maybe I had do good and all of these things. But that has been dying in me. Christ has been raised. Christ is showing more of Himself. I'm being conformed to His image, not my own. That's His work. That's His continuous work. He has delivered us from so great a death because if you're left in yourself, you will die. who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Praise God. He delivers us from ourselves. He delivers us from spiritual death. And he becomes life to us. It's so necessary. That is gain. Is that gain to you? Is that, does that make better sense when Paul says, oh, die, death is gain? To die is gain? Yes, the new man in us is praising God for that. But Jesus told us something about death. He says, from death comes life. So you must die to self. You must die to this world. You must die from, to all the idols in this world. Jesus said it this way in John 12. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. And it does. When that wheat falls into the ground, it's dead for three days until life comes. That is a blessed thought, isn't it? Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. If that's all you have in this life, it's the self and the idols of this world and the things of this world and the people of this world. If that's all you have, 
you will certainly lose it. But he that has life, he that hateth his life in this world, that's not a hate that I walk around, oh, I hate my job, I hate my life, I hate my... No, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying not, not to not love it more than Christ. He that sees those things in its rightful place. Yes, Lord, you provided this living for me. Yes, Lord, you provided this family for me. Yes, Lord, you have provided this helpmeet for me. None of them is idols. Christ, you are over every one of them. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. See, from death comes life. That's the necessity of death. That's not all. As I've said, almost every resurrection day I've been up here, what we gain is not just spiritual. What about this body? What happens? We've, we've talked about that every resurrection day, as many other days. The Lord has promised us that He will raise this body. I want you to hold your finger here where Although our text, were, like I said, we're not really examining the text. But let's go to Job 14 real quick. I don't know if you've ever considered this. I, precious words. The Lord revealed to his servant. Job was one of the earliest by, uh, books ever written in the Word of God. And at this moment, as you'll see today, he'd already revealed to Job what would happen to him. What's going to happen to my body? What's, what, what, and this is, well, we'll, we'll just dive right in. Look at John, uh, Job 14. Let's start in verse 10. Job, in answering to one of his friends, one of their great helps that they were to Job, and I say that facetiously, but man dieth, he says in verse 10, and he wasteth away. Yea, man gives up the ghost, and where is he? He's asking his three friends. He says, yeah, when I, because Job, you know, he's being afflicted really bad. He says, when man dies, what happens to him? Do you know, O oh wise friends? As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth and drieth up, so man lies down and riseth not. That's in the grave. Till the heavens be no more, they shall not awake. That is, a, that is what is appointed, and you'll see that here in a few minutes. That is appointed to every one of us. Death in this body. Well, that's really not true either, because when we get to the next passage, you'll see that there will be some that don't taste of that death. So man lieth down and riseth not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. That's where we are. That's where we go. That's where every man goes until the day of resurrection. Oh, that thou would hide me in the grave. That you'd watch over me wherever I lie, Lord. That thou would keep me secret until thy wrath be past. That thou would appoint me a set time and remember me. Lord, forget not where. We sing that song, Pass Me Not, Lord. That's where that comes from, that idea. Lord, don't forget where my body's lying. Not that he can forget it, because he's going to raise them. But that's where that thought comes from. It comes from Job saying this, 
that thou would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait. And then here's the text. Till my change come. I will lie in the grave until my change come. What is that change? Well, it's the same thing Paul told us in Philippians 3, 21, 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. That tells us something about our change. It will be fashioned to be like His glorious body, without sin, without decay, no matter how you die. It doesn't matter if you return back to dust. It doesn't matter if you're burned. It doesn't matter if a shark eats you. It doesn't matter. We shall all be changed. At least that's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That's death. He has subdued all things unto himself. And Job says that. He says, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. Remember Paul told us too in Romans 8 that it was the Spirit of Christ that will raise and give life to our mortal bodies. As I said, today we celebrate resurrection life. To die is gain because of the Lord's resurrection. All of this is accomplished for His church because of His resurrection. These are the pillars of our faith because of the resurrection. That's what we celebrate today. Look at verse 15. Thou shalt call. That's an effectual call. That's when the Lord calls those out of the grave. Thou shalt call and I will answer thee in the day of thy power. You say, well, Job, how can you be so certain? You're going to be laying there wasting away whatever it is. You'll be turned back to dust. No, I'll answer you because of the promise of the resurrection. Thou shalt call and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thy hands. The Lord has fashioned every one of his people. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has a desire toward that creation. Turn with me over a few pages to Job 19. This is more of a more familiar one that we know, certainly. Look at verse 25. I want to jump out of the chair when I read this. When I first see this, it is just like, He is alive. He is risen. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now Job's writing this, and Christ hasn't even come on the scene. But He has in the soul. He has in the mind. The same Christ is for them that He is for us. And He was for the New Testament saints. I am Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, 
He knew that the body's going to decompose because of sin, corruption. After my worms will destroy this body, yet in my flesh, in a body, I shall, shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me, though I'm awestruck, though I'm in so much, Lord, you did this, you made provision for me, Remember, Job's one of the very first people on the face of this earth. And as he has made provision for him and his age, for those that he walked the earth, the same provision for you and I today. Praise him. That's what we celebrate today. Resurrection life. But that's not all. The other pillar of our faith that we celebrate, what I hinted on last time up here in the Hebrews passage. His resurrection assures us that He's coming again. Turn with me over to 1 Thessalonians 4. This is what it means to die as gain. I hope the Lord answers that question. What do I gain by passing? Well, the Lord lays it out for us this morning. First Thessalonians 4, let's start in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Notice that. Those are the saints that have died before. Those that, that Paul uses the terminology that they are asleep. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. That's, that's how I started this message. If the resurrection life doesn't flood your soul, if the Lord hasn't revealed to you what He's done for you, what He's procured for you, you have no hope. That's a, you walk around hopeless. That's what Paul's saying. And the people there at Thessaloniki, they, they had that problem. They had all the death all around them. And they're looking around and they're, they're being hopeless. And Paul says to them, he, he writes this section, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to worry about those who have died before you. I don't want you to worry when you go to that funeral and you hear all these things and then they go to the ground. You think that's it for them. Because it's not. I don't want you to be ignorant that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we, the church, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, he's the only one here in this passage that's not asleep, by the way. He died and rose again that you and I will never die. Never die. Not in a physical sense. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. So Jesus, as the Lord comes again, well, let's just keep going. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. This is what Christ spoke while he was here on the earth. This is what the prophet spoke of again. This is, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, we being the church, as I said, there will be some that do not pass, taste death in that way. That mean they won't be changed. He tells us we will be. He says, for this 
we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. So Jesus tells us, I mean, Paul tells us here that Jesus is going to bring all of the saints with him. All of those that have slept in Christ, he will bring with him. On this day that he comes again. This is what is celebrated today. Death is gain. And then he tells us, for the Lord himself, just as he promised in Acts 1, the same way that he went up, he was promised he would come back. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's, that's what he said. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. Did the Lord say that? Absolutely. Turn with me over to John 14 again. We didn't go there the first time. We just answered Thomas's question. But if you look how John 14 starts, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. His disciples then, his disciples in Job, his disciples today. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there's the promise. There's the resurrection promise. Where I am, there ye may be also. Now they're going to remember this promise later as the Holy Spirit reveals it to them. Now let's go to Hebrews 9, where we were a couple weeks ago. Hebrews 9, 27, 28. And as it is appointed unto men once to die. That's that death we take place in this life, other than the ones that we just heard about. But after this, the judgment. That's what judgment day. That's that the whole thing. That's what 1 Thessalonians is telling us about. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The second time when the Lord comes again, it won't be to deal with sin. He's already done that for his people. It will be to take them home. It'll be to procure eternal life with him. And that's what we'll read at the end of this. If you turn back to 1 Thessalonians 4, now you'll see what else he has to say. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's where Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. All shall be changed, even the ones that are here. That body that's here is not what's fitted for heaven. On this day, that day that, that Paul told us in Acts 17, 31, because he's appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness 
by that man, that's who it just said, Jesus Christ himself, whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he raised him from the dead. That's what I said. The coming of the Lord is procured and, and guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ. Praise God. So shall we ever be with the Lord. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, what's next? Everybody, oh, well, we're meeting him in the clouds. What does that mean? I know it's a mystery, Paul said. What does it mean? He tells us, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's it. No more sin. No more body of sin. No more afflictions. No more pain. No more tears. Nothing to separate us from the eternal Christ. Nothing. To die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you now? Is that gain for you? It's glory to me. It's glory to what the Lord has done. Then look at, look at 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, comfort one another. Our Lord is risen. Our Lord has done everything. He has made every provision for your soul and your body and your spirit and for you in eternity. He's done it all. We'll finish today by just going on to verse 11 in chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, I have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the light. That's true. We, we don't know. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. He didn't leave us without witness. He didn't leave us without the word. He didn't leave us without his testimony. That's what he's telling us. We're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. We're sober to it. That's the hope of the resurrection. That's what we, we live in hope for. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And that sleep means to be disinterested. It means to, to not give any thought to what the Lord has done. That's not resurrection life, Paul says. Soberness is. This is what Christ has done for me. I hope that in this hour, the Lord has filled your soul and he answers that question for you. What has Christ done for me? Has he shown you these precious truths? For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Whose do you think that is? <laughs> it's Christ's love. Christ's faith to believe. Otherwise, we won't. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. There were, there were some who didn't believe. Yeah. It takes the faith of the Son of God. It's not something we can pass out. Oh, the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
You have that hope of salvation, this perfect salvation that he has wrought. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. All of it. Everything spoken today. That's what he's appointed us to. And it's certain. And it's fixed in him. And he has left nothing for you and I to do. Nothing for you and I to have to do or to must do. But to enter into his rest by his almighty love and power. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. That, that goes right back to our text. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is <coughs> And then he says it again. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. And I hope that prayer for you. I hope that we can enjoy the bond and the unity of the Spirit and what Christ has done. Speak to one another about what Christ has done, what He will do, what He has done for you. What resurrection life is. Comfort one. You know why it was comfort for them? Because they believed. They believed that the Holy Spirit gave them life. And they took great joy and love in what Paul would preach. The gospel. The living gospel. May the Lord add His power. And His clarity. Dear Heavenly Father. Come with power to our souls. Subdue this old nature, O Lord. Cry out to our souls that you are truly alive. Lord, you have done it all. You have made a way in thee, Lord, that is perfect. Reveal to each and every one of thy people thy perfect salvation. Lord, may you give us that comfort of thy peace and thy love in this hour. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.